um, going through this uh, this sermon, uh, this collection of sermons through the book of James. As we study in it, look at it, we we understand that James looks and, and takes a, a great emphasis on faith, on, on the faith that we are supposed to have, how we live out a life of faith, what faith looks like in the Christian's life. And we're going to continue with that today as we, faith will come up. But we're going to be talking about the faithful Word, Amen. The faithful word. So James chapter 1, verses 21 uh, through 25 is what we'll be reading today. So James chapter 1, verses 20 through, 21 through 25, um, as we talk about the faithful word. Uh, it says, So therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Amen. So this is James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Probably familiar scripture for, for some of us. Um, this uh, be not only hears the word, but doers. Talking about, you know, seeing our, our likeness or observing ourselves in a mirror. So we understand this. But I want to start by talking about how we need the word. When we look at the Bible, what importance do we place on it? What significance does it hold? According to James, it's to be as it is planted in us, the implanted word. In my mind, I see this as something that is ingrained within us, just like our lungs or a heart, something that if it were to be removed would be detrimental to our well-being. If you were to remove a lung, it has a significant uh, a significant effect on your life. If you remove you know, some other part of your body, it's going to have a significant effect on you. And so too, if we were to remove the word completely and wholly from our life, it should have some, a major effect on how we live our life, what we do, how we act, if that was if that was gone. Something so meaningful, so purposeful, so important to us that to remove it would just be, be detri- detrimental to us, right? That's how the Word should be. But is that the position that it holds in our lives today? Oftentimes we find in today's culture that, and even the church, in some subtle and some unsubtle ways, that the church or the Word has not had the significance that it should have or that it once had, right? We've drifted away in some sense from the importance of the Word of God to our lives. Sadly, we see churches and groups and leaders and preachers that are even calling for or saying that we don't need the Old Testament, that it's not important. Or either even some that go as far as say that we should only pay attention to the words in red, what Jesus said, that the other parts are lesser aspects of Scripture and only the words that Jesus say are important. But we know that that's not not true. All scripture, all scripture has the same level, the same significance, and is equal. That's what we learn in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture is breathed out. Some, some translations say inspired, but if you really look at the Hebrew, what the Hebrew breaks down to, it basically is all scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. That means it comes directly from God. It's not some kind of tertiary thing that is kind of associated with God, that God had a little hand in it and He had a little influence over it. No, we understand that Scripture is directly breathed of God. It comes straight from God. The words that we read, the things that we have in the Scriptures, in the 66 books of the Bible that we have, is directly 
from God, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, prophecy to just history to anything that's going on, it is from God. Yeah. It all holds important. It all holds significance. It all is necessary. We need it all. Are there scriptures that are hard to swallow? Yes. Are there scriptures that sometimes we don't like? Yes. Are there scriptures that don't make sense when we read them purely from a modern standpoint or a viewpoint or from a secular viewpoint? Yes and yes. But that doesn't mean they're not necessary. I found that the scriptures that are hard to swallow and the scriptures that I don't like are the ones that I really need in my life at that moment. The scriptures that I have to dig a little bit, the scriptures that I have to study out, sometimes bring the greatest wisdom when we truly understand what it means, what what God is trying to say to his people and how it translates to us in today's world. Doesn't mean it's not necessary. Doesn't mean we don't need it. It means that we do need it. We do need Scripture. We do need what God has written, what God has left us in these in these parts of Scripture. James once again he points to this and he gives this this you know kind of idea that you know to put off the filthiness, put all these other things, put off all these things that are going on, and he says, be humbly accept, humbly receive, humbly embrace. The implanted word. Amen. That can bring salvation. He's saying, you need the word. He's saying, you can have all the other things. That's your choice, right? You can have the filthiness. You can have the unrighteousness. You can have all those things. But I challenge you, and I say to you, to cast those things off and embrace the implanted word. The word that's been spoken to you. The word that's been taught to you. The word that's been given to you. Embrace that because that is needful. Yeah. Because that is what you need. Everything else in life, if we go through, we've talked about needs, we've talked about wants, everything else, all the filthiness and everything, those are things that we might be tempted and desire for. Those might be things that we are drawn to. Those may be things that we want in the moment or in the season in life, but they are not needful, right? But the Scripture, the Word of God that brings salvation is what we need. It's what we need. And I'm thankful that he saw that need, God saw that need, and he gave us his word. He gave us this scripture to have and to use appropriately. And in a world full of opinions, full of ideas and doctrines and and different thinkings and isms and schisms, we need a singular truth. We need the word alone. You know, in church, as a youth, we would sing the B-I-B-L-E, right? You know what that is? All right. I want to read that real quick. Um, there's three verses, if you didn't know that. We mostly always sing the first verse, but I want to read all of them. It says, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. The B-I-B-L-E, I'll take it along with me. I'll read and pray and then obey the B-I-B-L-E. By F-A-I-T-H, that's faith, for anybody that's following along. Okay, F-A-I-T-H. Um, S-A-V-E-D, saved. I'll stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Now, as a child, I probably didn't notice this line that I'm going to bring up. Or I didn't understand what it meant. But that one line says, I'll stand alone on the Word of God. What does that mean? I'll stand alone on the Word of God. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be off and stranded on an island all by myself with the Bible. That's not what it means by alone. That I'm all alone, that I'm going to be all by myself standing on this Word. No, it's, it's meaning... That it is my sole foundation. That the Bible is what I'm basing my life on. When I'm standing firmly, it's only on the Bible. 
I don't have one foot over here and one foot on the Bible trying to pay, play twister and another hand over here and trying to make a good base. No, I'm standing solely on the Word of God. That, that is all that I need. That is all that is necessary. So, so and we need to understand that. So what does that mean for us? It means that I've, if I've got a question, I go to the Word, right? If I've got a problem, I go to the Word. If I'm hurting... I go to the Word. If I'm suffering, I go to the Word. If I'm having a bad day, I go to the Word. If I'm having a fine and dandy day, I go to the Word. word. If everything's going hunky-dory, I go to the Word. If everything's falling apart, I go to the Word. Whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm going through, and whatever decisions I have to make, the choices that I'm facing, I go to the Word. When your foundation is solely on the Word, that doesn't mean you're seeking advice and seeking wisdom from other places because you get it from the Word. And the Word is what we need. And the Word is in the Word alone. The Word alone. James doesn't say put off filthiness and all these things and cling to the Word and something else. He doesn't even say cling to the Word and family. Cling to the Word and your career. Cling to the Word and your finances. Cling to the Word and your health. Cling to the Word and your nation and your state, your country, your politics, whatever it may be. He doesn't say that. He says, cling to the Word. The Word alone. There's no room for and. But the problem arises when we try to add and. We try to have a foundation of the Bible, in my opinions... And my beliefs, and my isms, and my schisms, and my viewpoints, and my thoughts, what my culture says, what mommy and daddy said, and not basing all on that. But here's the thing. If you try to base your life on the Bible and your career, there'll come a point where they start drifting apart, right? And you'll have to make a decision, go this way or that way. If you try to base it on your family and, and, and the Bible, guess what? Our family's not always going to do what the Bible tells us, right? Sometimes our family's going to want to do one thing. And the Bible says, you need to do this, buddy. You've got to make a decision. Are you going to jump on with the Bible? Or are you going to jump over, over here? I'm not a fisher. No, I'm a fisherman. I guess that's I'm not a fisherman. Um, but church, church I spent a lot of time with growing up, they had a fishing tournament um, one year. And I was like, well, I already go, uh, go to that. You know, they encouraged me. I didn't. One guy had a boat um, I was friends with, um, and uh, he said, you know, it's a partner, a two-person th- two thing. He said, why don't you come with me? Uh, I was like, okay, right? Never, I fished on a bank, and I've told you before, went with Dad. Dad was not a patient person, and the line would get tangled up, and he would just toss the whole rod in the pool pond, and we'd just go home, right? We never, we always had cane poles or something like that, nothing expensive, because it just ended up in the pond. And I was like, I'm going to try this. With somebody who knows what they're doing, go out on a bass boat. We're going to have a good time. We got out there, and he, he let the boat off. Um, and uh, he wanted me to just kind of stand there with it, um, make sure it didn't drift off. I don't know if he didn't re- remember that I had never been on a boat before or what. but Because he was pulling his truck up and everything to park it and then come back down. Well, I stood there, and I had one foot on the pier. And one foot on the boat, trying to, you know, keep it <laughs> over here. And uh, he re- came down in time to see it drifting a little bit farther this way. 
And he, he, he said, go get the trolling motor. I was like, I don't know what a trolling motor is, right? It's like, I, and then finally I just decided I can't be on the pier and I can't be on the boat at the same time, so I just jumped in the water. Don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> that was the decision I made in that moment, right? But when we try to have two foundations, when we try to have, be founded in the Bible, but then try to be founded with our family, or try to be founded with our career, or try to be founded with our politics, or our culture, or society... Those things will eventually drift apart, right? Because the Bible says that God, John says that he is the word, says Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He stays consistent. But if you've been long, uh, alive long, anytime, you realize nothing else stays consistent. It's always moving. Culture's always changing. Society's always changing. Family grows up and they begin to have different ideas and opinions sometimes and they change. Careers, you get different bosses and, and, and uh, things that are expected of you begin to change. Finances, what you once thought was good enough 20 years later isn't good enough now, right? The house and everything that you possess that was fine 50 years ago and you're like, man, this is a good foundation to have. 50 years later, it's falling apart and things change, but God stays the same, but those foundations being to drift apart, and we are faced and have to make a decision. What foundation will I remain with? What foundation will I remain with? And that's why we must be founded on the Word alone. On the Word alone. We see a strong move in today's society that embraces this idea that my opinion or my truth is more important than anything else. That what I think about reality, what I think about life, what I think about this situation, doesn't matter whatever else you tell me, no matter what you show, I don't care. It's my opinion. My opinion's better than anything else. But the thing is, and the reality is, is that God, the Bible says in one place, that God be truth and every man a liar. Amen. So the honest truth is, my truth means nothing. My opinion means nothing. My ideas and my thoughts mean nothing when they come into conflict with the truth of Scripture and the truth of God's Word and what it teaches us. I can believe something strongly to the core of who I am. I could have been raised to believe that. I could have been just, just convicted of that because that's what Mommy and Daddy said and what everybody else said was important. But if I read Scripture and Scripture says that's not right, then I have to choose what's foundation. I have to choose where I'm standing. Everybody else, the world can be telling you something. The news can be telling you something. People that you trust and revere can be telling you something. And the Bible says, nuh-uh. Then we need to say, nuh-uh. We need to say, that's not truth. Amen. There has to be a standard. There has to be a bar. There has to be something that we judge it by. And we can't judge it by the whims and the waves that move so easily on the world. We must judge it on something that is consistent, that is firm, that stands still and ready and doesn't move. And that is the Word and the Word alone. Amen. The Word alone. Remember, James is talking to a people that are going through upheaval, that are going through difficult situations, that are being persecuted, that are being torn. Everybody else is saying, you need to take part of this pantheon that we believe. Maybe we can make room for Jesus in the pantheon. Maybe we can say he was some other kind of God or, or some child of one of our gods. Maybe we can make room for him in here. Or maybe you just need to leave Jesus all alone and just continue to do what you're doing. All these different ideas were thrown at them and they said, but here's the truth. 
James is saying, put all that other stuff away and cling to the Word and the Word alone. That's what you need. That's all you need. When it comes time and you're faced with these things and all these other things thrown about you, you go into a different stage of life, you move off, you go to some place and you're around new people with different ideas and different opinions, it's the Bible. It's the Word. And the Word alone that we can cling to, that we can trust in, that we can have our faith in and be like, yeah, that's truth. That's truth. Gilbert says many times in the Sunday school lessons that when people ask questions or whatnot, that he doesn't try to insert his opinions or his ideas, but he tries to always lead and focus on what does the Word of God say. Because that is truth. That is truth. And we must believe in that as truth more than anything else. The Word of God and the Word alone. Our God, our bar, our standard can only be the Word and the Word alone. So if that is our standard, if it's the Word and the Word alone, then we should heed the Word. Amen. Let's look at what James says again. Let's skip down a little bit. We'll go down here. It says, For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He forgets what he sees. That's what he's saying. He forget what he saw in the mirror that was presented to him. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, perfect law of liberty, he's drawing this comparison, comparison between the implanted word, the perfect law of liberty, okay, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now, we all probably have a mirror in our house or somewhere. Um, in the cars, you got multiple ones. Some of you probably have them in your purses. I should have cleaned that first. Um, uh, Mirrors, right? Got them in the bathroom, down in the fellowship hall. Everywhere, right? Well, what is the purpose of a mirror? It's to recognize flaws, inconsistencies, things that are out of place, things that shouldn't be there, things that are wrong. Right? I mean, that's that's ultimately what it's there for, to make sure everything is in its place, that it's right, it's what we desire and expect or think it should be. That's the purpose of a mirror. So that's what James is illustrating here in the Scripture. He's saying, you look into the Word of God. You look into the Scriptures, the truth, the Word and the Word alone. That's what you compare yourself to. That's what you're comparing your life to. You're observing yourself in the reflection of what Scripture is. And and it elaborates and it shows you the things that are wrong. The things that shouldn't be there. The things, things that are out of place. That you don't need. And how James illustrates it, he says, if you look at that, you hear the words, you read the word, and you see that, and you're you're compelled, and you notice something out of place, and you do nothing about it, then that's not how we should be. He says, one who hears and doesn't do, he's one that goes and sees it in the mirror, notices something wrong, basically, observes it himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. How many times have uh, we read a scripture in our studies? 
or we've heard a teaching, Gilbert maybe, or Mark in Sunday school out, or a sermon, me, Adam, you know, anybody else that you've heard, you listen to on TV or the radio or something like that, that, you know, really just preaches the scripture. You've heard it, and what they say comes in conflict with what you do. They don't match up, right? They say, well, you know, do whatever example you, you want to do. You shouldn't do this, but, sh- you know, and that you're doing this, right? Scripture says, you know, don't lie. And then you're like, man, I, I have a hard time telling the truth. And it comes into conflict, right? Or, you know, Scripture says, you know, to to live your life a certain way as according to God, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to, to like we talked about before, be faithful, right? These things. And you, you look at what you're hearing from the Word or from uh, sermons or teachings, and then you look at your life and you compare it. You look at the mirror of Scripture, and there's conflict. They don't, they don't just don't mash up. There's conflict there. And how many times have we done that? We've had that conflict. We just feel like, well, that wasn't for me. Right? Or we say, well, that was written to a different time. Or we begin to make excuses or reasons why it doesn't apply in your situation. Doesn't apply for your family. Doesn't apply for your life. Doesn't apply for your decisions. It was meant for someone else. That's what he's saying, right? He's saying a man looks in the mirror and he sees something off and then just goes along his way. Now, we do that quite often in our life. Um, and we'll do that in our churches. And we'll do that in our scripture reading. We'll skip over certain parts of scripture that we know talk about something that we don't like. We just will. We'll be like, well, I ain't going to read that because that's Old Testament. Or I ain't going to read that because that's not Jesus' words. Or I'm not going to read that because Paul's a, coming from a perspective that doesn't really match mine. Or I just don't think that matters to me much. Or we read it, we hear it preached, and we're like, man, that's just, I don't think that's necessary for my life. And we walk away from it. And forget that it, we, we ever heard it. Forget that we ever read it. Forget that we ever talked about it or had that conversation with somebody. And we just do that, right? And we... Live happy our lives. We don't care. We don't think about anything. But I want to ask you. How many of you would go up to a mirror at your home and everything was out of place? Right? Things were just nasty. Your face was just a mess. Your hair looked like trash. You just looked like garbage. I mean, how many of you would wake up in the morning as you're going out the door, you stop and look at your mirror, and everything just looks, Harper says, nasty now. Nasty. You just look nasty. And just look and be like, okay. And just walk out the door. Your, men want, your wife wouldn't let you get past the bathroom without stopping you and say, you're going to fix that nasty mess of yourself? We wouldn't do it, would we? We would never look at a mirror and see ourselves as nasty, as ridiculous, as filthy. That's the word he uses filthiness and walk out the door that way. Why then do we go and we are compelled by Scripture and the Word of God and what it says and it points out all the filth and the nastiness 
And we just put it down and say, that's okay. I'm fine with going out that way today. I'm fine with being in front of people that are lost that way today. I'm fine if my family that needs Jesus sees me this way today. I'm fine if a lost and a dying world that is crying out for help sees the filth and the mess that the Holy Ghost is trying to work in me, sees it, and sees that I'm not doing anything about it. I'm fine with that. You would never do it in your life. You would never wake up in the morning without doing your hair, brushing your teeth, putting on some kind of makeup, fixing yourself up right, making sure everything's in place and looking right. So why do we do it every day with our spiritual walks with God? Why do we hear sermons preached that come in direct conflict with the lives that we live? Why do we read Scripture that come into direct conflict with the choices that we make? Why do we hear testimony of how the Word of God challenged somebody and we always say, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. I don't need to change anything. I'm okay. Why? Why do we not heed the Word of God. Why do we not make the adjustments that Scripture compels us to? Why do we not make the changes that the, that that sermons, you know, just really moving us and challenge us to? Why do we not do the things that God has asked us to do? None of us are perfect. That's reality. And the honest truth is, none of us. Are ever going to be perfect. You don't fix yourself up one day and the next day you wake up, it's like that was good enough from yesterday. No. Because you slipped on the hair and now it looks matted and nasty. If you're like me, you got oily overnight and you gotta wash the face and you gotta make sure every day we should be saying, What do I need to do different today, Lord? We need to go to scripture and say, What adjustments do I need to make today, Lord? We need to go and, and hear sermons and hear preaching and hear teaching and, and apply it to our life and say, what do I need to change to be more like you today, Lord? But we don't. Right. We are satisfied and comfortable with where we're at and with the lives we're living and the choices we're making and the things that we're doing. And when we look at the mirror, Scripture. We see all that's wrong. We don't make the adjustments, the changes that need to be made. That the Scripture compels us to make. He says, James says, listen, put all that other stuff off. The filthiness, the wretchedness, the unrighteousness. Put all off. Latch on to Scripture. You need it. You need Scripture. Because guess what? If I got up in the morning and I didn't have a mirror to look in and I tried to wash off, I'd miss places. I wouldn't be where I needed to be. If I try to live my life as best as I can without applying or without looking to Scripture, without looking to the Word of God, I might be an okay person, but I'm not going to be who God wants me to be. Right. I'm still going to, I'm, I'm going to really come short of who He desires me to be. He says you need Scripture to know who it is that God desires you to be. And it has to just be Scripture, not all these other things. And you can't just read it. And you can't just hear it. And you can't just come to church on Sunday. And you can't just listen to podcasts and listen to this thing and just let it go in one ear and out the other and say that's for somebody else. He says, do something with it. 
do something with it. Amen. He left it for us, gave it to us. The breath of God. Do something with it. If we do something with it, then the flaws and the, and the things, the filth of sin that comes over us, we can begin to wash it away, right? We can begin to make the adjustments and the changes in our life that will never lead us to perfection, but will lead us to better. Will lead us to, to who, a little closer to who God desires for us to be. So don't be the one that looks in the mirror, that hears the word and doesn't do. Don't be the one that observes his natural face in the mirror, observes himself, and then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law, he who looks into Scripture and continues in it, who makes the adjustments, who makes the adjustments and the changes, who notices his flaws, who's unhappy with those flaws, and does what he needs to rid himself of those flaws, and is not forgetful here, but a doer, this one will be blessed in what he does. What James is saying, if you look at Scripture... You apply it to your life. You'll be blessed. Doesn't mean everything will be hunky-dory. Doesn't mean everything will go your way. But there is great blessing in being obedient and following in the footsteps of Jesus. There is great blessing in, in trying our best to be who Jesus wants us to be. So don't leave today and just forget this scripture. Forget this sermon. Don't leave today. And forget what we read in James. Don't leave today and just go home and come back next week and then be like, oh yeah, we are in the book of James. Study the book of James this week. I'm not going to hit every verse. We're going to hit a bunch of them. But I'm not going to hit every verse. Read the book of James. Read what he's writing to the early church in Jerusalem. That's who he's writing to. He's writing to the, the, the Jewish Christians, those that are already associated with religion, but informing them how you can be a better follower of Christ. Read the book of James. Study it. Then hold up the mirror to yourself and say, Okay, self, what do I need to change? What do I need to adjust? What do I need to do better? And then make those adjustments. So don't forget. Don't forget. If you've been convicted, if you've been compelled by the Scripture, then move up to it, man. That's what it's there for. That's why he sends it. If you read scripture during your week and it convicts you, don't just turn the page and be like, well, I'm not going to read that again. Apply it to your life. Man, there's some of us in our heads, we've got books of the Bible, parts of scripture that were like, can't read that, can't read that, can't read that. Instead of being like, change that, change that, change that. Let us recognize that we need scripture. That we should be founded on the word alone. And that when we hear the word, we heed the word. Amen? I'm thankful for the word. If you have a need to...